among us. But I'm kind of here for it. There are some very cute pajamas. I want to keep some too. Okay, will you all join me in prayer this morning? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Little Women is one of my favorite books of all time. I also really loved the movie that came out a few years ago. It is one of Louisa May Alcott's most well-known books. And this book had a lasting impression on me. If you haven't read this book, it is considered a building's roman. English major, can you tell? Uh, which really is just a fancy word for a coming of age story. And in the novel, it follows the story of the four March sisters on their journey from children into an adulthood. Now, it is a very complicated, interwoven story full of sadness and joy and all of the things that make up a great novel. One of my favorite things about Little Women, though, isn't in all of the drama and the twists and turns, although those cannot be spoken highly enough of. Instead, what I enjoy reading most was about the March's, March sisters' interactions with the adults around them. They were often taking care of elderly relatives or neighbors. They were given advice regularly from their parents. This book is not just a story about four little women. It was a story about the way that people in the mid-1800s interacted with one another and how they formed relationships even when they were at very different walks of life. The girls have a great aunt, Great Aunt March is her name, and she is played by Meryl Streep in this version of the film, which if you haven't seen it, reason enough, everybody. And Great Aunt March is a wealthy widow, and often the girls find themselves taking care of Great Aunt March. She is an abrasive woman, as you may imagine, of a storybook character who is rich and lonely. But Great Aunt March does care for the girls. She cares for her nieces deeply, and she ends up having this lasting impact on the women who they grow into being. I find these intergenerational relationships fascinating, not only in little women or in books, but in our lives today too. What do we learn from people who are older than us? What do we learn from people who are younger than us? And are we good at fostering relationships with people in different generations from ourselves? Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and we will continue on with our sermon series of comfort and joy as we continue to look at the Gospel of Luke, particularly the first chapter of Luke, the text before Jesus is born. Last week, we read the Annunciation, where the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her that she would bear the Son of God. We talked about how Mary did not just hear the words and nod her head obediently. Instead, Mary thought deeply about what was being told to her, 
Mary asked qualifying questions, clarifying questions, and then she courageously and confidently responded, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel leaves Mary. That's exactly where our story will pick up today. The scripture says, then the angel left her. And the next verse will be in 39 through 45. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, Elizabeth blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth continues, as soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. Elizabeth is the first person Mary goes to after she's had this encounter with the angel Gabriel. After this huge, life-altering, transformational conversation, Mary hurries to Elizabeth. We'll get more into Elizabeth's story next week, but for a quick summary today, a story time with Stephanie, if you will. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. We know this from earlier in the first chapter of Luke, and it's also earlier in the first chapter that we learn Elizabeth is married to a priest named Zechariah, and that Elizabeth and Zechariah are very old, and they don't have any children of their own. It may sound familiar. It may sound a lot to you like Abraham and Sarah's story in Genesis, Then the the angel Gabriel, the same one who talked to Mary in our sermon last week, she, he, Gabriel, tells Zechariah that his wife will be pregnant. His wife, who they've been married for so long and they're very, very old, and Zechariah doesn't believe the angel. So the angel takes away Zechariah's voice because of his doubt. It's kind of like a whole Little Mermaid situation. Spoiler alert, Elizabeth, his wife, does indeed become pregnant. And I promise we will cover more of their story next week because it's a big story. But for now, we need to know that situation because we need to understand where Mary is going to. We need to understand who Mary is going to after she receives this news. Out of all the people, Mary goes to Elizabeth. She goes to her cousin. She goes to an older woman, a pregnant woman. Throughout the Bible, there are a number of stories like Elizabeth's stories, where an older woman finds herself with child, a woman who has yearned for a child. But Mary's story is different. Mary's story flips the script. Mary is unmarried. She's young. We have no insight on her fertility, but it's probably safe to assume that Mary was not 
yearning for a child. Mary is very different from these other women in Jewish history prior to her. When we read that Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, it's almost as if we get this convergence of the old with the new thing that God is doing. It's a big, pivotal moment. And what we read in Luke's gospel is what draws me into intergenerational relationships, being in conversations with people of different ages and life stages and having fruitful, impactful time together. When Mary arrives to her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth feels her own child in her womb leap, and she acknowledges that. And she celebrates this milestone in Mary's life. She celebrates this unique blessing Mary has been given. We don't read anything about Elizabeth being jealous of Mary. We don't read anything about Elizabeth casting judgment on Mary. Instead, Elizabeth embraces Mary. It's a radical love demonstrated. It's a true love. And after Elizabeth's warm embrace of Mary, we get what I consider to be one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, the Magnificat. This is Mary's song. And this song of Mary's actually echoes a song from Hannah in the Old Testament book of Samuel. So once again, we kind of get the convergence of the old with the new. Let's read the Magnificat, Luke 1, 46 through 56. Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on this low status of his servants. Look, from now on everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised our ancestors to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. It is when Mary is in this safe space with her cousin Elizabeth that she is able to sing this song of praise to God. In the Magnificat, we see just how fully Mary has embraced what has been entrusted to her. Mary also has this really powerful prophetic voice about God reinstating God's kingdom on earth. Did you catch that? She says, where the powerful will be brought down and the lowly will be lifted. 
I don't know that we typically remember Mary to be a prophet, but here it's undeniable that she is proclaiming that good news, that she is sharing this word from God. Mary, the one who will bear the child of God, is moved to sing of God's greatness and of the ways that God is continuously challenging what the world glorifies. In the care of Elizabeth, Mary embraces her voice. Mary and Elizabeth have very different life experiences. Elizabeth has lived a lot longer than Mary. Elizabeth is married. Elizabeth knows what it's like to yearn for a child. And yet, their stories converge here at the beginning of Luke. There is no competition between these women. There is only joy. Joy for their blessings and for the many ways that God has provided for each. As humans, we are not meant to stay in our silos. We are not meant to surround ourselves with people who are like us, who are at our own stage of life, who are our same age. Instead, there is fruit in building relationships with those of different generations, both younger and older. There is joy in providing safe spaces and offering care to those who come up behind us. There's knowledge in learning from those who have gone before us. Mary and Elizabeth find their joy in God's promises. They find comfort in knowing that neither of them are alone. Ted Lasso is currently one of our family's favorite TV shows. My dream is to one day do a sermon series all on Ted Lasso because there are great nuggets in every single episode. But in the scene I want to share with you all today as I was creating this sermon, this series follows a soccer team, if you didn't know, and Ted Lasso is their head coach. The team has suffered a really, really incredibly devastating loss, and Ted looks around the locker room and notices how upset everyone is. He notices that they are in pain, and Ted says this, I promise you there is something worse out there than being sad, and that is being alone and being sad. Ain't no one in this room alone a coach to his players, reminding them that they are not alone. Elizabeth and Mary reminding one another that they are not alone. This holiday season, let's find time to reach out to our elders. And let's also find time to check on people who are going through things we may have gone through years and years ago. Let's find time to be intentional about who we enter into relationships with. May we each find a way to be a little bit more like Mary and like Elizabeth, two different women at very different points in their lives. May we find joy in God's promises 
and comfort that not any one of us is alone on this journey. Amen.